morning, Italy, and welcome to Behind the Lights with me, Seb. And me, Jono. As always, we pay respect to traditional custodians of the land where you're coming from, the Gadigal people of the Aurora Nation. Well, Jono, a bumper episode today. Before I will get into some, obviously, a big headline out of Liverpool, uh, which we'll get into a little bit later, as well as Super Bowl uh, teams now decided. And we've also got our Australian Open finals, uh, I guess, winners as well, in the women's and the men's. What were some of your other sporting headlines uh, from the week that's been? Yeah, look, uh, of course, another busy week in the sporting world. But for me, I kind of focus on the NBA right now because things are starting to really heat up. I think first and foremost, um, some sad news, realistically, for me um, is the firing of uh, Bucks head coach Adrian Griffin. Um, And then in turn, in the the past couple days as well, the hiring of Doc Rivers. Um, It's kind of weird because... Um, Griffin was sitting at a 30-13 and 13 record, second in the East. The team was doing all right. Yes, they had some problems and everything, but to fire a brand-new coach midway through the huge. season is a huge, huge call, as well as bringing in Doc Rivers. It's funny because, you know, you had the likes of somebody like Shaquille O'Neal, who actually has now kind of come out with some criticism with him, that's saying that, is he really a championship-winning coach when he's just kind of rided on the coattails of that one time that he won the finals with the big three of Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, and Ray Allen? Yeah, yeah. So it'll be really interesting. I think that's quite sad news that it just showed that the NBA just doesn't really give coaches the time that they need to really get things right. Um, but I guess good luck to um, Doc Rivers and the Milwaukee Bucks, and we'll yeah, see what happens a for huge the, move. the rest of the year. Um, next as well is a huge scoring night for Luka Dantic, who scored 73 points against the Hawks. This is now the second 70-point game in this season with Joel Embiid as yep, well scoring yep. 70 points this year, as well as this is the fourth 70-point game in the last two years as well because two players, Damian Lillard and Donovan Mitchell, also scored 70 points last year. And then in saying that too, Devin Booker has also had a huge last three games, scoring 152 points in those last three games. So what this really shows for me is the absolute lack of defense that I think we see in today's game and how much easier it is to actually just score points in general. Don't get me wrong. Great scores, all those people that I named. But I think it really just shows the changing of the game, how high scoring games we have now, and also just generally the lack of physicality and defense that most teams play. Yeah, it's definitely a shooter's league. 100%. And then lastly as well, um, some big news realistically that could that could have some individual implications is um, Joel Embiid has missed a lot of games this year. He actually now, by the new rules that were came in this season, can only miss another six games yep. in the last 38 games that they have left in the season to be eligible for the MVP this year. Um, he is sitting at probably one of the favorites right now um, for the MVP voting. Um, but it's kind of crazy to think that he potentially might rule himself out. Yes, it's a combination of both injuries and resting that has had him be ruled out of so many games this year. But it is kind of crazy to think that he can now only miss another six games. Otherwise, he actually can't be considered for the MVP. Yeah, we need to see how they balance that out with uh, Joel Embiid and Philly. For me, Jono, number one, um, a huge news out of Barcelona, Xavi confirming that he yeah, will be huge. stepping down uh, as manager at the end of the season. Um, obviously coming off the back of a 5-3 loss on the weekend. We know not everything's been smooth sailing over at Barcelona. Uh, some of their big players not performing. So it's going to be very interesting to see the direction Barcelona go now with, with obviously one of their club legends stepping down. And after winning the league last year, it's really gone backwards this year, with, uh, especially with some of the players they brought in. Yeah, 100%. It's kind of crazy to think about all the high hopes and the, the years of talks that they had yep. about bringing him in. This was planned for a long time. Um, 
But yeah, it's, it clearly hasn't worked out the way that they thought it would. And it is also weird. There's some talks about him also essentially not taking his full payout for his contract yeah, and this absolutely, and that. Absolutely. Um, so look, he clearly still has the love for the club and wants to do what's right for the club as well. And I think he kind of sees that maybe he's not the man yep. for it right now, at least. Yep. Maybe there'll be a return in the future, but not right now. Another football story out of England. Who says the magic of the cup is dead? Maidstone United upsetting Ipswich Town, who were second in yeah. the championship in the FA Cup fourth round, 2-1 at Ipswich. Maidstone are a semi-professional team that plays in the National League South in England, which is the sixth tier of English football. Jono, when you see results like this, you, you really realise the importance of having competitions like the FA Cup, and it gives these these players and these clubs a chance to play some of these big hitters. Ipswich flying in the championship, looking yeah. like they may... Yeah. Well, they'll be there, thereabouts in terms of getting to the Premier League next year. But what a result for Manchester United and their supporters. 100%. I mean, this is the thing in these types of cups. Sometimes people take the foot off the gas pedal. And this is exactly what happens when you think you're going to go in and you have an easy matchup. You never should be thinking that because no matter the opponent, there's always, always a possibility that you are going to be not on your day, uh, not on your game that day. Absolutely. And this clearly showed so absolutely fantastic result. And that is the best part of this cup as well is that yep. these things do happen from time to time. And in the cricket well, we saw two great cricket test matches over the weekend. Firstly, England, a remarkable victory in India. But here in Australia, young Shamar Joseph introduced himself to the cricket world, starring for the West Indies, West Indies only second test match against Australia, as he took seven for 68 with a fractured foot to lead the West Indies to their first test win in Australia since yeah. 1997. Some great scenes there, John, and we know West Indies cricket hasn't been in the best health, especially over the last sort of two decades or so. Uh, but hopefully a win like this we may be seeing, you know, an emerging yeah. West Indian team. Oh, it's, this is this is something that can actually lead to some momentum and everything like that. Just really putting it all out there, literally and physically, you know, both mentally and physically as well. So fantastic to see that. And yeah, hopefully, like you said, it could maybe start a resurgence as well. Absolutely. Great scenes there. Well, as I said at the top of the show, Jono, some huge news out of Liverpool Football Club during the week. I don't think anyone saw this news no. coming. No. Jurgen Klopp announcing that he will be stepping aside as Liverpool manager at the close yep. of the season due to just needing a break from management and saying he just does not have the energy to be able to go on for another season yeah. uh, after this year. Before we get into some of the ramifications maybe for Liverpool, Jono, the honours that, that Klopp has won while being at Liverpool, one FA Cup, obviously the famous English Premier League title, bringing a title for the first time in 30 years to, to Liverpool, a Champions League, League Cup, Club World Cup, UEFA Super Cup winner, and a Community Shield. Firstly, Jono, when you heard this news, how what was your reaction to it, and, and how surprised were you to hear that Jurgen Klopp's time at Liverpool is coming to an end? Yeah, look, I mean, I think first and foremost... I mean, it was a little bit of a shock, definitely, right? I don't think anybody really expected it. Um, you probably could have more expected it last year, more so than this year, yep, you know? Yep. So to have it at this point in the season as well, didn't really expect that either. So I don't know if this is kind of, hopefully in his mind, maybe that push to kind of push all the players to be like, hey, this is one one last gla uh, gasp for Klopp, right? Maybe that's yep. what the mentality of announcing something like this right now. Because it is strange to, to just come out with something like that when... You're not having too many locker room problems, or this. No. It's, it's very different from what Xavi is dealing with in Barcelona yeah, and yeah. everything like that. So I think yeah, yeah it's a very different, very different to that situation. situation. So yeah, I think overall a bit of shock in terms of just how it's just randomly almost happened. Um, whether he's been thinking about this for a while or not, it just yeah, it just seemed 
very random for this to just occur. I mean, you would assume that people at Liverpool knew this decision yeah. was coming and he's had these you'd discussions. So. And you'd, you'd think that this has probably been in Klopp's mind yeah. for a while, whether or not, or when is maybe the right time for him to step aside for his own yeah. health, which is, which is the reason he's doing it. And I guess, John, for him, he'll be looking at this situation and saying he's almost rebuilt this Liverpool team from last year where, where they didn't have the best of year. They struggled a little bit last year. But he's rebuilt the midfield, brought in younger players. Um, and they're competing on four fronts this year. They've got the potential to, to win four trophies um, still. So maybe for him, he's thinking he's leaving Liverpool in a stronger position than, than when he came. Certainly, obviously, leaving yeah, them in a stronger yeah. position than that when they came. And whoever the next manager is, is coming in at a good time with some good young players. Yes, there's some, some older players there, which decisions will have to be made. Mohamed Salah, Virgil van Dijk, who's, whose contracts will be yeah. coming up, and you'd expect Saudi Arabia yeah. to probably come in again for Mohamed Salah. But then bringing in good, or young players such as Nunes, Gakpo, Schlobberschlei in the midfield... Um, the core of another great Liverpool team is there. Yeah, and I think that really uh, what when I kind of thought about this, what the kind of stepping down really showed is how hard of a season last year was. Yep. And the implications of losing so many players as well. Because, yeah. you know, you look at all the honours that he's gotten in terms of the winning, um, the winning of the league, the winning of, of, every, of everything that he has won, right? Yep. All the cups, all the titles, everything. Yep. It all was with that key, real core group that he built. Once that kind of broke apart, and I think it kind of started with Mane leaving to Bayern and yep. everything like that, and yep. then it was kind of that trickle effect in terms of some key players, leadership and everything like that. Look at Henderson and everybody Fabinho. like that. Yep. yep. <clears throat> all stepping away. I think it really showed how much of a, of a core group he built and how much... His success also did hinge on that too. Like, don't get me wrong, he built that core. That was credit to him. But... It was smooth sailing with that core because of what he was able to build. He did the hard yards at the beginning. And then it was almost like he was able to, to step back a little bit and just watch this flourish. But now, what last year showed is with those players all departing, it really shook everything up. And they, I mean, last year was a pure example of that, of their up and down roller coasters yep, and everything yep. like that. So I think it just showed of how <clears throat> hard it is to build a team and then how hard it is to once you have that top-class team to rebuild like that as well. And I think he's just not ready for that challenge. Like, he doesn't want to physically go through that again and mentally go through that again because for him, he's done everything that he wanted to achieve. Yep. You know, he yep. has done everything and more. And so he's sitting there thinking, like, why do I need to go through this again right now? Let me take a little bit of a break. And he's not ruling out coming back to coaching or anything like that. But it's just that thing of... It clearly just shows all those players departing how much of an impact they've actually had on him as well, not just the success on the field, but also him just mentally as well. And when you look at Klopp's legacy, he's a high-tempo, high-impact, yeah. high-energy sort Puts of his coach, emotion into which it. is reflected in his team. We, yeah. Liverpool, especially when they play at Anfield, they play this high-pressing, high-energy, highly aggressive sort of football, and, and it does take a toll on Klopp, but... What he's been able to do in, in since he's come in and, and the way he's been able to compete with Manchester City yeah. who have, yeah. for most clubs, been, been miles ahead. For his Liverpool team to get close and compete with Pep Guardiola's team considering the resources that Manchester City team has is quite an exceptional feat. And for them to be able to win a Premier League and then two times they haven't won it, they've got over 90 points yeah, again, which is crazy. Most times you'd, you'd would win, win you a Premier yeah. League. So it yeah. shows you um, the team and the... 
that he was competing against in, in regards to Guardiola. When you look at his legacy, Jono, he's been compared to some of the great managers at um, Liverpool, Paisley, um, and some of the big Liverpool personalities. Do you think Klopp can be talked about in those, I guess, in those terms and in terms of the impact he's not only in Liverpool Football Club, but the city of Liverpool? Yeah, I mean, I think so. Because I think, one, he really embraced the culture, right? You can tell. And as you said, he is an emotional coach, right? He's, he's, he's like all those others who just really get into it. Like, you look at somebody like an Antonio Conte as well, yep. who just puts the full, full efforts in. He's that person. He's passionate on the side. Um, but I think as well, look, it's credit to him for... When he came into Liverpool, the, the way that they were and how he went through that rebuild in a very meticulous way in terms of who he selected and how he kind of built those players up to be at that level. And I think that will strike an extra nerve as well with the fan base and everything like that because what he was able to do is, is he was able to take these players who, you know, yes, were already pretty good players, but then elevate their game and then elevate the squad. Whereas it's very different, let's say, from their rivals, you know, in Man City and everything like that, who really have, for the most part, been able to handpick players at their peaks and everything like that. Whereas he's brought in and built that top-tier squad. So I think for a Liverpool support, fan base, everything like that, when you look at what he was able to do, that should raise his bar in terms of, you know, the accomplishments and everything. Yes, maybe you would have hoped when you look at the record book and everything that there could have been more Premier League titles. There could have been more Champions League titles. You wish that there was, right? Yeah, yeah. But to his credit, he pretty much did everything possible to try to, to, to try and do it. And he built it the right way. There was just a team on the other side, and particularly when you look at the Premier League, who did it with financial resources and handpicking players and just stacking their team you know, like no other. So unfortunately, he had that going against him. But credit to him, I think he has to go down as, as one of the most successful Liverpool managers. And when you think of it, when he came into the Liverpool side, they were miles off Manchester City. For him 100%. to be able to close that gap... And just in terms of, we've talked about this with other teams, Sean, especially Manchester United as an example, the good business they've done, yeah. the buyers they've brought in. Yes, there's always going to be some that may, may not work out. But when you look at the big ones, when they sold Coutinho and they brought in Allison and Top, Van Dyke, yeah. that's some of the best business yeah. they've done. And they've been stalwarts of, of this Liverpool success, which is why, I guess, Liverpool supporters and, and football supporters will think of Klopp in, in the same Breath as Doug Lee, Shankly, Paisley, some of these immortal uh, and great managers of Liverpool yep. Football Club of the past. So it's going to be a huge uh, hole, I guess, and, and a huge gap in the club to try and um, replace. Talking about replacements, Jono, Xavi Alonso, the Bayer Leverkusen manager at the moment, has come out as is the favourite, according to the bookies. We know he's connection to Liverpool Football Club and his success at Bayer Leverkusen at the moment. For you, who do you think could potentially come in and, I guess, step into these huge shoes which are being left by uh, Jurgen Klopp? Yeah, look, I think for me, the bigger thing is is going to be understanding in terms of their strategy with their current squad, and that should then determine as to who they bring in. Because are they going to be in that situation where they just offload, as you said, you know, a lot of those players with contracts, so Salah... Um, could be Van Dyke as well. Yep. A lot of those players with those contracts who have been key to this, are they going to offload those players and then try and bring players in? Yep. Are yep. they going to try and offload them, receive some cash for them, and then try and work with the squad? So I think that's very different in terms of who then you bring and that's in. And that's tended to be Liverpool's business. They're not yeah. a team that's going to... They usually do sell and buy their players. They don't go out and just spend 
huge money yeah. without selling or, or moving some pieces around. Yeah. So I think it's it's I I don't know who they should bring in at this yeah. point because I'm not sure as to what they're going to be doing with some of those key players. And yeah. that's the problem here is you're talking about multiple key players, not just one. So this isn't like a Tottenham situation. We just have, you know, you're talking about Harry yeah. Kane and everything like that. This is multiple players. So I think that's going to be dependent on uh, that. That's really going to be the telling uh, factor in terms of yeah. who they bring in. So I'm not 100% clear right now. Look, Xavi Alonso might be the right guy. But it depends on their moves in terms of who they bring in and who they bring out in terms of player selections. Yeah, it's certainly going to be a story we're going to keep an eye on as this season progresses. And and who knows, maybe this will give Liverpool even more motivation to, to obviously send Klopp out on a high. Yeah. Uh, but it's going to be intriguing to see the direction the Liverpool Football Club take after Jurgen Klopp leaves. Talking about massive stories over the weekend, John, the Australian Open finals uh, happened, I guess, Saturday evening and Sunday evening Australian time here. We'll start with the women's singles final, Jono. Not too many surprises here. Yep. Arena Sabalenka absolutely crushing Kimwin Zhang 6-3, 6-2 to claim her second Australian Open and defend her title from last year. Jono, Sabalenka's been so impressive this tournament. Hasn't dropped a set. And to be fair to Zhang, she probably did all she could, but Sabalenka's power and her overall game, she was just at another level to all the other girls this year. Yeah, look, I think congrats to Zhang for, for putting a very, very good run into this Australian And a great run for her. To, she's now in the top 10. Yeah, 100%. So incredible, incredible um, run for her. I think the difference is it's just Sabalenka just shows that she is uh, just in another category yeah. right now. Yeah. Um, when you look at the, the run that she had in terms of this Australian Open, the only real challenge was Coco Golf. Yeah. Yeah. And even that, she was able to nab it in a tie break and then get a break and then nab it in that as well. So um, just absolutely incredible tennis. And I think the difference is is just the power that she has on even her first serve and her returns as well. The consistency of her yeah, hitting. It's just really, really good. Yes, there's some potential you know where there's some uh, faults and everything like yeah, that yeah, that yeah. occur but that's just normal but it really just shows that she is right now at least it's, it's starting to establish herself as a class above yeah i mean you have to be on your game the whole time to be able to knock her off the throne yeah we need to see if she can add some more grand slam titles to her uh to her two australian open titles now this year and, and whether or not she also will take that number one yeah world ranking Moving on, John, it was the men's singles final on Sunday night. And we're going to have a new Australian Open champion, whoever won. And what a classic this was. It was the first final since 2005, which didn't feature one of Nadal, Djokovic, or Federer, which is just quite amazing yeah. when, you, when yeah. you think about it. But it was the young Italian, John, Yannick Sinner, that came from two sets down to defeat Danny Medvedev in five sets. 3-6, 3-6, 6-4, 6-4, 6-3. It was Medvedev's third Australian Open final loss uh, and it was Sinner's first major title. Jono, an amazing game. And in the end, Medvedev's time on court during this, I guess, arduous Australian Open probably counted against him as Sinner finished stronger. Yeah, 100%. Um, I think at the beginning as well, Medvedev's experience of at least being in a couple more finals as well. Unbelievable, those first yeah, two sets. It showed about how if you come into these finals and you come in locked and you're yep. ready, yep. you can take advantage. And I think that was Yannick Sinner had a little bit to understand, hey, we're, we're playing for a grand final right now. I need yep. to step this up. 
And look, it took him two sets, but then when he stepped it up as Some well, heating. he just was able to move Medvedev on that court, and that's what I think led to his success, is keeping Medvedev moving. Yeah. Because yeah. that just showed is that difference of the court time in terms of what they play. It does make a difference. Medvedev almost played... When you look at the court time, potentially it could have been like you know equivalent to two extra games yep, yep. that Medvedev played yep. over the time because how um, clinical Yannick Sinner was throughout the tournament in taking people in straight sets and everything. Um, but overall, it was his ability then, Sinner's ability to move Medvedev, keep him moving, tire out those legs, and it did show. But credit to Medvedev. He kept that going. was amazing in terms of some of their rallies. Yep. The shot placement in some of those rallies – I feel like nine times out of ten, when you go to another opponent, those are getting counted as points, but they were just getting so coming right back yeah. at you every yeah. single time. Um, so it really was just an amazing final. And what really shows is, I think for the men's side, what it has showed, it has proven that the future is going to be bright. The next generation is they, certainly here. They are here, and they were all about what? Let's say 25 and under right now, all we'll hitting their 22, stride. Alcaraz, 20. 20. 20. Ru, Kasper Ruin as well is yep. a young one yep. who, yes, hasn't cracked on, but he's 20. You have Medvedev, who's quite young. You have you have all these players who are there it's now. It's exciting. Um, it was just an amazing final. Like, honestly, yep. it was an amazing final, and I think these two players really encapsulated what was an amazing run for both of them. Um, in the Australian Open. Yeah, it was an amazing way to end uh, the two weeks in Melbourne Park. Well, Jono, before we go to the five quick questions, we need to touch on the NFL Conference Championships, and we will do a full preview next week of the Super Bowl. But we have our two Super Bowl teams, Jono. Uh, the 49ers came back from the, yeah. against the Lions to defeat them 34-31, to while the Chiefs put on an absolute clinic against the Ravens to win 17-10. A quick word on both games, John, and what did you make of, of the performance of both the winners? Yeah, I think uh, first and foremost with the Chiefs and Ravens, I think it just came down to, for the Ravens, some real crucial mistakes that were yep. made. Um, even something as simple as, you know, a, um, um, a taunting call that was played, that was that was called, and, you know, what could have been a defining moment in the game, got an extra penalty for it, as well as a fumble on the goal line as well, and then a late-game yep. interception too. So credit to they the Chiefs' keep- defense as well yeah. i think they were the reason realistically that they really came up with this game um but another, and i thought Mahomes was clutch Mahomes well. played great as well don't yeah. get me wrong but i think their defense really put them yeah, over the absolutely. edge um, and silenced the ravens what could have been yep. you know of the ravens and then on the flip side the 49ers great comeback by the 49ers i actually thought detroit had this in the bag I think most people did um, but it just showed that this 49ers team they have had one of the best offenses in the game yep. this year and they showed why that they can come up with points whenever they need. Um, so credit to them. Um, and it's just, honestly, it's, it, it's refreshing to see um, what is essentially the tale of two quarterbacks going into this Super Bowl now. You know, yep. and a really experienced, high-profile quarterback against a lesser experienced, low-profile quarterback. Um, so fantastic to see. Detroit, you'd be proud to where you got. Ravens, I would say you'd be a little disappointed that you didn't get I to the Super so. Bowl. So we'll see what happens next year. But I say we'll do a full preview next week, and it yep. should be a great Super Bowl in a couple of weekends. Well, as I said, John, I will go five quick questions. I think I've got you this week. Let's do it. Let's go, mate. All right, we did touch on this at the beginning of the show, but who do you think might take over at Barcelona at the end of the year? There's talk of do they go experience or do they go from their youth team? Who do you think? could take over Barcelona? Yeah, um, it's actually a really tough one. Um, I, th- I think that what they need is just a clear reset of identity. Um, so I actually wouldn't mind seeing somebody who comes in who's potentially a little bit more experienced, actually. Tuchel's and just, been talk of Yeah, and, and kind of 
take the team and 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 find a new style for yeah. them because yeah. I think this whole Barca way they have some players who can play that way. But I don't think it's fully working with the squad that they have. Yeah, yeah. So I think stylistically they need to go with someone different. So I wouldn't hire someone who's going to come up through the ranks. I wouldn't hire somebody who's too close to that Barcelona style. I think they need someone like potentially Thomas Tuchel or somebody like that who has a different approach on the game. And maybe that can make this youth thrive. Well, the other rumor is Rafa Marquez. We know he played yeah, at Barcelona, yeah. but he's coaching in the Barcelona B team at the moment. Yeah. That's the other rumor. But we just see what happens there. After winning his first Grand Slam title, Will... Sinner at another title or Grand Slam title this year, do you think? Um, based on how we played this tournament, I have to say 100%. He didn't drop a set until that Djokovic um, semifinal. Yep. Only dropped one in that. And then, of course, the, two, in the, yep, two, um, in the two in the final. So three, he dropped three sets the whole tournament. you got to say this, 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 pers- this guy's future is bright. Um, but, yeah, I, w- I would love to see him win at least another one. I'd love to see him come up against... You know, Rune or uh, Alcaraz in the yeah. next final. No, I do think he'll be a multiple Grand Slam yeah. winner. Was the Lions' loss to the 49ers one of the great NFL meltdowns? Yeah, look, this oof, this is a hard one. Um, I, I mean, potentially, yeah, because I think that there were some uh, minor coaching they errors as well. Control. I think, yeah, there's a lot of things that just seem to have go wrong yeah. that could have changed the fate of this game very easily. Um, and yeah, I mean, it will because you know what, a, a team like Detroit, it, they don't get these many opportunities no. that often. They're not those big market teams or anything like that. So yeah, this has to go down as, as one of the bigger losses that have kind of occurred in comebacks realistically from the 49ers I as well. I'll certainly be looking back at with a lot it's of hard. regrets. It's a hard one. Number four, John, Asian Cup, Australia through to the quarterfinals after beating Indonesia 4-0. Who do they play? Will it either be South Korea or Saudi Arabia, or Saudi Arabia. So they're coming up against one of the big heavyweights yep. in the quarterfinals. Who gets yeah. through? Um, I would like to see him play South Korea. Um, and I think that it would be a really good test for them as well, um, for Australia. So I would love to see them play against them. Um, now, look, do I think everybody in Australia wants to see that? Probably not, but... Um, I would love to see them play against South Korea. Yeah, it'd be a great test if they did play South Korea. And number five, Jono, does Madstone United continue their dream run in the FA Cup with a win in the fifth round against either Sheffield Wednesday or Coventry City? You know what? I love the magic of the Cup, so why not? Let's continue that run. Um, but now you do have eyes on you, so I don't think opponents are going to be... They're not going to be as unexpected. Yeah, they're not going to be as unexpected. Um, but I would love to see if they can play with that same heart um, and that determination that they played in the last game, I think that anything is possible for this team as of right now. There'll, there'll come a point where it's going to end, but I think there's still a chance in this next round. No, I agree. It'd be great to see them get yeah. through another round. Well, that brings you in another episode of Behind the Lights with me, Seb. And me, Jonah. As always, thank you for your support, and good night.